0: Open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. O shout unto God with the voice of triumph. O clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us, the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob whom he loved. O shout unto God with the voice of triumph. God is gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises unto our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. O shout unto God with a voice of triumph. God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of His holiness. The princes of the people are gathered together, even the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong unto God. He is greatly exalted." Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O shout unto God with the voice of triumph. The Old Testament lesson for this First Vespers of the Midweek Advent series in Malachi is written in the 13th chapter of the Book of the Prophet Nehemiah, beginning at the first verse. On that day they read in the book of Moses, in the hearing of the people, and it was found written in it that an Ammonite and a Moabite should not enter into the assembly of God forever, because they didn't meet the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. It came to pass when they had heard the law that they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. Now before this, Eliashib, the priest, who was appointed over the rooms of the house of our God, being allied with Tobiah, had prepared for him a great room, where before they laid the meal offerings, the frankincense, the vessels, and the tithes of the grain, the new wine, and the oil, which were given by commandment to the Levites, the singers, and the gatekeepers, and the wave offerings for the priests. But in all this I was not at Jerusalem. For in the thirty-second year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I went to the king, and after some days I asked leave of the king, and I came to Jerusalem, and understood the evil that Eliashab had done for Tobiah in preparing him a room in the courts of God's house. It grieved me severely. Therefore I threw all Tobiah's household stuff out of the room. Then I commanded that they cleanse the room, I brought into them the vessels of God's house with the meal offerings and the frankincense again. I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them, so that the Levites and the singers who did the work had each fled to his field. Then I contended with the rulers and said, Why is God's house forsaken? I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then all Judah brought the tithe of the grain, the new wine, and the oil to the treasuries. I made treasurers over the treasuries, Shalemiah the priest, and Zadok the scribe, and of the Levites, Pediah, And next to them was Hanan the son of Zechur, the son of Mataniah. For they were counted faithful, and their business was to distribute to their brothers. Remember me, my God, concerning this, and don't wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for its observances. In those days I saw some men treading wine presses on the Sabbath in Judah, bringing in sheaves and loading donkeys, also with wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them in the day in which they sold food. Some men of Tyre also lived there, who brought in fish and all kinds of wares, and sold on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and in Jerusalem." Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said to them, What evil thing is this that you do and profane the Sabbath day? Didn't your fathers do this? And didn't our God bring all this evil on us and on this city? Yet you bring more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. It came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors should be shut and commanded that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. I set some of my servants over the gates so that no burden would be brought in on the Sabbath day. So the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares camped outside of Jerusalem once or twice. Then I testified against them and said to them, Why do you stay around the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time on, they didn't come on the Sabbath. I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves, and that they should come and keep the gates, to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me for this also, my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your loving kindness. In those days I also saw the Jews who had married women of Ashdod, of Ammon, and of Moab, and their children spoke half in the speech of Ashdod, and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language of each people. I contended with them, and cursed them, and struck certain of them, and plucked off their hair, and made them swear by God, You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Didn't Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things?' Yet among many nations there was no king like him, and he was loved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, foreign women caused even him to sin. Shall we then listen to you to do all this great evil, to trespass against our God in marrying foreign women? One of the sons of Joiada, the son of Eliashib the high priest, was son-in-law to Sanballat the Haranite. Therefore I chased him from me. Remember them, my God, because they have defiled the priesthood, and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. Thus I cleansed them from all foreigners, and appointed duties for the priests and for the Levites, everyone in his work, and for the wood offering, at times appointed, and for the first fruits. Remember me, my God, for good. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The second lesson is written in the first chapter of the book of the prophet Malachi, beginning at the first verse. The Burden of the Word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I love Jacob. And I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall build, but I will throw down. And they shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see... And ye shall say, The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the twelfth chapter. Then one possessed by a demon, blind and mute, was brought to Jesus, and he healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. All the multitudes were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This man does not cast out demons except by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I, by Beelzebul, cast out demons, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, then God's kingdom has come upon you. Or how can one enter into the house of the strong man and plunder his goods, unless he first bind the strong man? Then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me and he who doesn't gather with me scatters. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Behold the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called, the Lord our Righteousness. In his days shall Judah be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name whereby he shall be called, The Lord our Righteousness. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, and this is his name whereby he shall be called, The Lord our Righteousness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This year, our Advent journey will take us through the book of the prophet Malachi, which starts as thus The Oracle of the Word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi I have loved you, says the Lord, but you, speaking to his Old Testament people Israel, you say, How have you loved us? This is how Malachi writes. It's a back and forth conversation between God and the people of Israel which was typical of how rabbis back then taught. And now to our pious ears, the most surprising part about what he writes in this opening conversation is not that the Lord claims his love for his people, although it is interesting how he states it so explicitly, openly, obviously. But really the surprising part is that the people of God question God directly to his face about his love for them. The surprising part is that they demand proof that God loves them, that his love has been seen in action in some way. Because why would God's people question God's love for them? After all, look throughout the Old Testament. The people of Israel are those whom God himself brought out of Egypt through the Exodus and the Red Sea. They are who received the promised land from God God gave them King David and the promise of King David of an eternal throne through David's son. God gave them a prosperous kingdom that reached its height under David and his son Solomon. Even look at the Passover. Look at David. Look at Solomon. Look at the beauty of the Old Testament scriptures, the Psalms and the wisdom books and everything else. Look at its history and the wondrous temple that God built for them how could the people of Israel even consider questioning God's love for them? And that's really the first thing that hits us about this text, is the boldness of God's people to question his love. But with that observation, there are a couple things we need to consider. First of which is this. David lived about 1000 B.C., And Malachi penned this oracle of the word of God about 600 years later, and in that 600 year span, a lot happened. For instance, the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel split after Solomon's death. They were never reunited. Israel was never a a united country again. The kingdom of Israel, because of its unfaithfulness, was conquered and overrun by the Assyrian Empire. And eventually, with the Assyrians moving in and forcing marriages, a race came from it that was known in the New Testament as the Samaritans. They were half-Israelites that the Jews looked down upon. More than that, though, Judah itself was also unfaithful. And as punishment, God gave them over to the Babylonians. They were conquered by the Babylonians and exiled by them from the promised land as servants and slaves. In fact, when they were conquered, the people of Judah were brought from Jerusalem to Babylon in chains, some even with hooks in their noses to lead them along the way. Only a remnant remained in Judah to tend the land. That was it. And in Babylon, the majority of Jews there faced persecution. But eventually, Babylon was conquered by the Persians. And the Persians, they cared little about the Jews. So they just let them return to their their homeland. And slowly, the Jews returned to the promised land under the grace of God. But it wasn't the same. Because not all the Jews returned. Many, for various reasons, remained living in foreign lands. They didn't return to Judah or Jerusalem. And so the Jews after the exile, were no longer a people united by land. And those who remained living in foreign lands were called the Diaspora. And the Diaspora began began in Babylon, increased into Persia, Egypt, into Europe, all over the civilized world eventually. But for those Jews who returned to Jerusalem, life was not easy. Now, when they got there, right away, they rebuilt an altar. They rebuilt the altar to God so they could worship God. But then, as they began to rebuild the temple, there was terrible infighting among them. So the temple was delayed. It wouldn't be finished for over 20 years, which also delayed the walls of Jerusalem, walls which established a city. That was delayed from being built for over 90 years from their return. So the people of the Jews, they were tired, tired from captivity, tired from slavery, and also tired about thinking about the long years of tiresome work that laid ahead of them to rebuild Jerusalem and Judah. Even when the temple was finally rebuilt, the elders of the people that remembered being exiled and were brought back, the elders looked at the second temple and wept because it paled in comparison to the temple Solomon had built. And there was no cloud of God. There was no spirit of God coming into the temple and the cloud taking over the temple, showing the presence of God was there. That didn't happen with the second temple. And their weariness came through in their sloppiness in following God's commands, which we heard in the reading from Nehemiah. And from that reading, we heard how they misused the temple, how the priests were not given food and payment for their labors, how they worked on the Sabbath, how they even married Gentile pagan women, which is tantamount to a Christian marrying those of opposing religions. It took men such as Nehemiah, Ezra, even Malachi, Malachi, which we'll keep hearing about in the weeks ahead, it took these kind of men to clean things up in the rebuild because they knew, as we heard Christ teaches well in the gospel, they knew that a house divided cannot stand that a Jewish nation living against the laws of God cannot endure. They had lived through it. They had lived through the exile. They knew. And for the Jews, it was terrible work. It was a tiresome life. They were submerged in death and discouragement and ruins. They were fatigued. They were discouraged as they were trying to rebuild. They were distraught at being ruled by Gentiles and they began to doubt as they saw the throne of David cut down by Nebuchadnezzar and still missing as they returned. They also started to doubt as they saw other Jews breaking God's law, working on the Sabbath, getting rich, and seemingly getting away with it while they were trying to be faithful but were in poverty themselves. And so that's the context in which Israel asked God How have you loved us? That's the first thing to consider. The second thing we need to consider with Israel's questioning God like this is that we also often ask God how he has loved us. We question God too. We also often get sloppy with God's word because doubt, unbelief is what makes us desecrate the temple of God. And the temple of God is now the gathering of his people. We desecrate his temple with how we talk or use his name or how we gossip about each other, how we cut each other down all inside his house. We desecrate his temple when we come up to commune while divided. We also hold back from offering God the first fruits of our tithes and offerings, doubting if God will actually provide us enough if we tithe back to him what he gave us. We, too, become careless about finding our Sabbath rest in Christ. Whether that be family or personal devotions throughout the week or on Sunday morning in the gathering, we become careless about it. We, too, look for intimate relationships, for marriages with those outside the faith. And we fail to teach our children how important it is to marry inside the faith. And then many fall away because they don't take heed of what happened to Solomon. They fall away because of spouses belonging to other beliefs that lead them along and off the path of God all because we doubt if God will provide a faithful spouse to us or our children. Like Judah, we ask this despite all that we have seen. We hear every Sunday how Christ bought us, and how he brought us, his people, out of death to life through a greater exodus, through the sea of baptism. We hear that ours is the promised land of the resurrection, the new heavens and the new earth. We hear every Sunday how God gave us a heavenly king in Jesus, that he sits in a throne without end. We hear how God made the western church prosper from the blood of the martyrs of Rome to the great Christian kingdoms and cathedrals over the centuries. Look at all of it. Look at the Christ. And his throne, look at baptism, look at the supper, look at the beauty of the New Testament along with the old. Look at the beauty of the wondrous temple of God, the gathering of his people, the world over. Look at all of that. How could we even consider questioning God's love for us? The first thing that really strikes us when we hear this text is how the Jews could be so bold as to question God, but what we miss, And what we see after some meditation is that we are bold like that too sometimes where we question God. We're just like them. We're no better. We doubt as well. We question God's love for us too. Because just like it did for Israel, doubt comes from our our fatigue. It comes from our poverty of material things. It comes from our being discouraged. It comes from loneliness. At the time of Malachi, Old Testament Israel looked around them. They saw the ruins of the first temple, the ruins of Jerusalem, the devastation of their lands, and they struggled, and then they doubted. Don't we do the same thing today? Don't we, the New Testament Israel, the Church of the West, don't we look around us and see the ruins of what was once a great Western Christian culture? And now, what do we see but the ruins of a shrinking church? In fact, many churches with their doors shuttered. Many church bodies, including our own, have a pastor shortage where many congregations don't have a called man in the pastoral office. And on top of that, there are other churches that are probably on the brink of going under. What power did Israel have being this tiny country under Persian rule. Well, what power does the church today have under the rule of the Enlightenment, under the rule of postmodernism, under the rule of the sexual revolution, under the rule of progressivism and wokeism? Well, Judah looked at itself and saw that it was tiny and insignificant in the larger world. And so do we, the church today. Judah looked at itself as a shadow of its former self, and so do we. Judah looked at its second temple and mourned because it did not have the beauty and reverence of the first. Well, look at our church buildings from the last hundred years, and they compare them to the church buildings built 1,500 years before that. Our buildings for our sacred gatherings, they don't hold the same beauty or reverence either. Like Judah, we are tired, discouraged, we feel weak, and oftentimes insignificant. Even more so as we see people within our own churches not coming back to church after COVID or caving every time the woke mob attacks them. And they do this without ever considering God's law or his gospel as they live. The Lord tells both Old Testament Judah and the church today, I have loved you, and I continue to love you. And how often do we, right along with Old Testament Judah, ask, Lord, how have you loved us? But God and His Word, they don't waver. Our doubt does not make them waver. Instead, God remains insistent in saying, I have loved you. Even after we question him, he is insistent, I have loved you. And so he says in Malachi, is not Esau Jacob's brother? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Edom says, We are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says, They may build, but I will tear down, and they will be called the wicked country, and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. Now the nation of Israel, of Judah, came from Jacob. The nation of Edom a country nearby, Judah, came from Esau. And both nations, Judah and Edom, were completely and totally ravaged and destroyed by the Babylonians, which the Lord used to destroy them. He used the Babylonians to destroy both Judah and Esau. And after exile, both Israel and Edom were set to rebuild. But there was a difference. The blessing of Jacob promises the living reign of heaven. Go back in Genesis and look at the blessing of Jacob. It promises the living reign of heaven, the fatness of the earth, and that nations will bow down to Israel and Israel will be masters over their brothers. And that whoever curses them will be cursed and whoever blesses them will be blessed. Not because of anything special in Jacob or them, but because God chose them and promised salvation would come through them and to them. So God's love was seen in them returning to the promised land. That they returned showed God's love. God's love love showed in the altar and the temple, being rebuilt so they can have a place to worship. God's love showed in the Passover being celebrated in the Holy Land again, and the Passover lamb being sacrificed and given there. Because no matter the ruins around them, There stood the word of God amidst them. God returned them to the promised land. He provided for them. And theirs was still the blessing and hope that was given to Jacob. But that wasn't true for Edom. Edom lost their land. They never returned to it. They went to rebuild, but God never allowed it to endure. Their land was not promised to them, and they lost it. Eventually, they would settle near Judah as history shows us, and eventually would be conquered by the Jews and made to live as the Jews lived and believe as the Jews believed. The people of Edom served their brothers as God blessed Jacob instead. And history also shows us that eventually Herod would come from the country of Edom, but the throne of Judah was never theirs. Because Herod, like Esau, he despised his birthright for a pot of stew. That is, he despised the word of God for a temporary earthly throne. And for that was overthrown by God, just like Edom was overthrown by God. So then God is telling the Jews, compare yourselves with Esau and Edom. And you'll see how God loved the Jews over time. And even as the diaspora, the Jews that lived outside Jerusalem and Judah, even as that grew... What you saw was that faith began to grow outside Israel, outside of Judah. They began to see how the Lord was great beyond their borders because the Jews outside their borders, many still believed. That's the way it is with us in the church today as well. The blessing of Jacob is the blessing of Christ. What Jacob was blessed with, Christ is blessed with. Because it was Christ who overthrew Herod and took back the throne that rightly belonged to the son of David. Christ took it back by dying for the sins of the world as he sat on the throne of his cross, so that now the reign of heaven and earth have been given to Christ, just as it was promised to Jacob. Now nations bow down to Christ. He is master over his brothers, and everyone who curses Christ will be cursed, and everyone who blesses Christ will be, will be blessed. And we are his brothers. He will be master of his brothers. We are his brothers. In baptism, God is our father. Christ is our brother. And as our brother, he rules over us, just as the blessing of Jacob says. He is our master. And we of the nations bow down to him. In baptism, the blessing of Jacob, that is on Christ, is now also on us. That's the difference between Jacob and Esau. That's the difference between the world and the church. Not because of anything special in us, but because of God. He chose us in baptism and promised salvation to us in the waters and the word. So God's love is seen in us as we continue to gather. Here at Christ the King is our altar. Here is the building in which we gather and worship, which God has given to us. Here on the altar is the supper being celebrated every Sunday, in the presence of the Passover lamb, in the presence of all the saints. Despite all the ruins of the Western culture and the Western church around us, despite how insignificant we may feel and how all progressivism around us seems to be ruling, here among us stands the word of God true as ever. Here is God coming to us every week, providing for us so that ours is the blessing and the hope of the resurrection. The same isn't true of the world. Those of the world will be like Edom. They'll lose their lands, the heavens and the earth will go away, and they'll never return to it. The West has sold its birthright in baptism for the pot of stew of the sexual revolution and progressivism. They despise the word of God for what their flesh lusts after. And for that, the day of judgment will come, as God says. But for us in the church, we watch, we wait, we listen. And we will see how God loves us. How he will continue to bring salvation to us. How Christ will continue to come to us. How the church will grow when and where he wills. And over time, you will begin to see how the Lord is great beyond even our own borders. You will see how he loves you. The book of Malachi It will chastise us as Nehemiah chastised the Jews. We'll read it and God will chastise us. Because as we heard, he loves us. He will chastise us because he wants to prepare us in being faithful for when our Lord comes again in love. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Blessed art thou, O Mary, for that thou hast believed, and that there shall be a performance in thee of those things which were told thee from the Lord. Alleluia. Blessed art thou, O Mary, for that thou hast believed, and that there shall be a performance in thee of those things which were told thee from the Lord. Alleluia. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I said, O Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Return, O Lord, how long, and let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. O Lord, save our rulers. Let the King hear us when we call. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. Let us pray for our absent brethren, O Thou, our God, save Thy servants that trust in Thee. Let us pray for the broken-hearted and the captives. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Send him help from the sanctuary, and strengthen them out of Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto Thee. Out of the depths have I cried unto Thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities." Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Iniquity. Turn us again, O God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Arise, O Christ, for our help, and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto Thee. Almighty God, by whose grace Your Apostle St. Andrew obeyed the call of Your Son Jesus Christ, grant unto us also grace to follow Him in heart and life. Heavenly Father, through the prophet Malachi, You have taught us about Your gracious election. Help us to believe that we are saved by Your grace alone, and to give thanks for Your incomprehensible love. O Lord, we beseech you, let your merciful ears attend to the prayer of your humble servants, because with you there is forgiveness of sins, that you may not mark iniquities, but vouchsafe to us your mercies. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Christ Jesus, our Lord and terrible God, in whose nativity the angels offered praises together with the shepherds, to whom, after the author of death had been conquered, all the people clapped their hands together and lifted up their hearts. Of you whom, when you carried back to heaven the victorious trophies of your triumphs, the faith of the apostles also followed. Grant that we may both celebrate the mysteries of our redemption and the glories of your ascension, with the jubilations of faith, and may, together with the princes of the people, be well-pleasing to you, the God of Abraham. Stir up, we beseech you, your power, O Lord, and come, that by your protection we may be rescued from the threatening perils of our sins, and saved by your mighty deliverance, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Give peace in our days, O Lord because there is none other that fighteth for us except thou our God. O Lord, let there be peace in thy strength, and abundance in thy towers. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness. Through the merits of Jesus Christ our Savior, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ thy dear Son, that thou hast so graciously protected us this day. And we beseech thee, to forgive us all our sins and the wrong which we have done, and by Thy great mercy defend us from all the perils and dangers of this night. Into Thy hands we commend our bodies and souls and all that is ours. Let Thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ,